Welcome to Roadside, the podcast where we talk about the fascinating and sometimes disturbing history behind roadside attractions and unique destinations. I'm Janica. And I'm Abigail. And welcome to our third episode. Yay! I am very excited. Me too. We have two of them out already, back to back. We're trying to get three out very quickly just so that we have them out there, Uh, but beyond that out it'll in the world out in the world but beyond that it'll be once a week or at least that's the yeah. plan <laughs> yep so before we start i wanted to give a shout out to my brother jacob for helping us Ooh, uncle jake yeah we did have a lot of people give us feedback that the first episode had a lot of background noise yeah so he gave me some suggestions and i am currently sitting in my children's old playhouse because <laughs> I I made it out of PVC probably 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's like a perfect little size. It's about five by five and it's probably about seven feet tall at the peak. I'm just sitting on the couch. But after some of our testing of audio and also using Audacity rather than GarageBand, this sounds way better or at least hopefully it will. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. We'll see how it goes. But I'm glad I'm glad the the playhouse is getting put to use now. Yeah, I know because I almost sold it in a garage sale recently, and then nobody bought it. We had I had so many people say something mm-hmm. they liked it, wanted it. I had several people ask about it, and then I also posted it on Facebook Marketplace. I had well, you know how Facebook Marketplace goes. People say, "Is yeah. this available? Is this available?" And then nobody responds to you. Yep. But I had about three ladies that tried to make plans to come pick it up. Never worked out. And then last night I was laying in bed trying to think, what am I going to do? Or I guess it was the night before. <gasps> oh, that would work perfectly. It's like its own little studio. And you and I, when we're together, because we're remote today, mm-hmm. we would actually both fit in here. <laughs> yeah, it'd be perfect. It was like fate that nobody wanted it. Exactly. I, I'm going to do a little bit of modeling or remodeling to it, I guess, just because it was a dark cover. Maybe get us mm-hmm. a little comfy, comfy little chairs inside or something. But Ooh, that'd be nice. Our little recording studio. Yeah, and I can take it apart because it's PVC and I don't have to keep it up all the time. Perfect. Yeah. But that's I just wanted to say thanks for uh, Uncle Jake's or my brother Jacob's help. Yep, thanks Uncle Jake. Well, I am sitting on the floor of my uh, bedroom next to a litter box. Oh, fun. Ew. So I hope it's clean. Yeah, my, Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I need to take it out. <laughs> well, if you have to sit there often, you'll probably do it. I will probably do it more if I have to sit here. Yeah. But my cat is up on her cat tree right in front of me, just staring down at me. Oh, little Freya. She's our angel. <laughs> All right. So let's get into it. All right. What are we doing again? Today we are doing the Lizzie Borden house. Oh, yeah. This was really fun to research. I bet. I did all of this in the span of two days because I was just fascinated. Yeah. I'm excited to hear it. Yeah, it's going to be good. I found a lot of really good sources for this case. I found a couple websites and like blogs of people who have researched this their whole life and old newspapers specifically. And I also found an episode of Morbid, which is our favorite podcast. Yay! Shout out to Ash and Elena. Yeah, we love them. 
And I listened to, they did two episodes on the Lizzie Borden house, actually. Oh, I haven't gotten there yet because I started over from the beginning. It was really good. The first episode they did, they recorded it in the house, in the (gasps) Lizzie Borden house. Oh my God, they're so brave. I would not do that. I know. I know. (sighs) And the whole time they kept being like, oh my God, did you see that? They do that when they record outside too. (laughs) I know. Oh, it was really funny, but they gave so much good information. They, They really know what they're doing. Recommend. Yes, they do. They do. Okay, so the Lizzie Borden House is located at 232nd Street in Fall River, Massachusetts. Okay. This house is a historical home where a horrific and unsolved murder took place on August 4th, 1892. Wow, okay. This was the house that the Bordens lived in, if that wasn't clear. I, it wasn't to me because I don't know a lot about it, but I, I'm learning everything right now because I barely know anything about this. Okay, well, the Bordens lived... In this house, the Lizzie Borden house. That was where the family lived. Okay. But before we get into like the actual house, I want to talk about the Borden family history and kind of tell you who they were. Okay. Lizzie was born on eight was born in 1860 to her parents, Andrew and Sarah Borden. And her sister was 10 years older than she was. Her sister was Emma. Sarah, their mom, unfortunately died when Lizzie was only two years old. Hmm. And Andrew, their dad, remarried a woman named Abby two years later. So Abby... Oh, nice name. I know, right? (laughs) Abby was their stepmom. Lizzie and Emma's stepmom. Whenever they were little, Lizzie and Emma would always call Abby mother because that's all that they had really known. Their mom was gone. They just called her mother. Okay. So they called her mother while they were still young. But as they got older, they kind of started to not like Abby. Oh, And they stopped calling her mother. People said that by the end, Emma would only call her Abby. But Lizzie, quote, did not call her anything to her face or speak to her at all. Oh, my God. Okay. So they really did not like her. Dang, was she a bitch or something? I don't really know. We'll see. I'll, I'll get there. We'll get there. So by this point, it was it was it was pretty clear to everybody that Lizzie and Emma just didn't really like Abby at all. Okay. But it was more so Lizzie. Mm. People said that they would fight pretty often. So the reason they didn't like Abby is because Lizzie and Emma thought Abby was using their dad for money. Oh. Because he was a really rich businessman, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but he was like a millionaire, basically. Okay. And they thought that Abby was using him for his money. Could be. A little bit more about Lizzie. At the time of the murders... She was 32 years old and she was unmarried, which was really weird for the time. Yeah. But she was really active in her church and in the rest of the community. She really loved giving to charities and doing community service. And she also really loved animals. Okay. Andrew bought the house in 1872. And like I said, he was a businessman in the town. He renovated it so that him and Abby and Lizzie and Emma could all live there. They also had a maid living with them, whose name was Bridget Sullivan, and she was an Irish immigrant. But before they had Bridget, they had a different maid named Maggie. And Emma and Lizzie just really didn't think that they should bother learning Bridget's name, so they called her Maggie. What? (laughs) Yep. And Bridget Bridget was supposed to respond with it and just roll with it and not say anything about it. They sound like little brats, actually, at this point. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Okay. Actually, we're going to get there right now. Andrew bought the house because he thought it was perfect for their family. It was a pretty modest home, even though they were super wealthy. 
But he was like, oh, this is perfect. It's the perfect size. And it's right in walking distance to several of his businesses. However, the girls did not like it at all. They did not like this house because, like I said, it was a modest house and they were millionaires. Ah. And they were living in this small, to them, home. And they were like, well, we could totally be doing better. So who likes the money? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) The house also didn't have any bathrooms or running water or electricity. I mean, for that time, though. at the time. I mean, the water doesn't... uh, no, at the, at the time, that was, like, becoming a thing, especially oh. with rich people. Oh, got it. A lot of people had that kind of stuff in their home at this point. Okay. But they didn't, and so it made Lizzie and Emma pretty upset because they were like, we could be living so much better. Got it. But Andrew was known to be super frugal. And side note, Andrew had also worked as an undertaker at a time. Mm. And this is just proof of how frugal he was. To cut costs of burial and coffins, he would cut the feet off the deceased (gasps) so they would fit in smaller coffins. Oh, my God. Yep. Did the people know this? I don't know. I have no idea. That is so... Oh, God. Please don't do that to me. But, like, that's, like, how far his, like, penny-pinching went. Okay. So the girls were, like, really mad at him because he did this all the time. And... They didn't live in their big fancy house, and he wouldn't buy new groceries until all the other ones were used up, even if they had gone bad. Mm. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Super (laughs) awesome. At one time, one of Abby's sisters was in kind of like a rough place financially, so Andrew gave her a rental property to live in, and this made the girls absolutely furious. Mm. They were so mad. They thought that he cared more about Abby and her family than about them, and they fought with him about it until he was like, fine, here, have your own place. Oh. And he gave them their own place. And how old were they at this point? They were in their 30s. Oh, at this point they were. Yeah, I think so. Got it. Okay. 30s around there. Okay. So they were like, yes, we got our own place. Dad finally paid for it. And then they sold it and moved back in with him. (laughs) Okay. I don't know why. I don't know why, but this is around the time that Lizzie stopped calling Abby by anything other than Mrs. Borden. Mm, Okay. The inside of the Borden house is super weird and it'll come into play a little bit later. Okay. There were no hallways at all except for the upstairs landing. So you'd have to go through bedroom after bedroom to get to a different room. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. So a lot of the doors had locks on them, but yeah, you'd have to like go through somebody else's bedroom to get to your bedroom, Mm. which I don't like at all. Yeah, no thanks. Yeah. But other than that, the house was like pretty typical for the time. It was really Victorian. They had fancy furniture and like flowery wallpaper, all that kind of stuff. So other than the weirdness of the hallways, it was pretty normal. Cool. Let's go to August 2nd, 1892. Okay. Abby and Andrew were both violently ill like throwing up all the time super sick so they went to the doctor and the doctor lived right across the street and they told him that they thought they had been poisoned oh yes which is interesting and comes into play later okay so the doctor asked them some questions about like what they'd eaten recently and abby told them they had had some fish that had been sitting out yeah you're not supposed to do that no (laughs) andrew wouldn't buy new food until their food was gone Makes sense. And then so the doctor was like, all right, yeah, well, that's your problem. Don't eat bad food. (laughs) 
you're not poisoned. And then he just sent them home. Okay. So next day, August 3rd, 1892, Lizzie went to visit her best friend and her neighbor, Alice Russell. So the friends like sat and chatted for a while, you know, gossiped about whatever people gossip about. And Lizzie told Alice that there had been a burglary attempt on her house. Okay. Which I don't think there had been. Got it. So she said that there was a burglary attempt on her house, and she was worried that something bad was going to happen. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's pretty sus. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty sus. She's laying the groundwork here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said, quote, I am afraid somebody will do something. No. Yeah. Okay. It was pretty sketchy. Yeah, seems like it, you know, unless she's clairvoyant. I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> Probably not, considering what we Yeah, happened. okay. I'm just assuming, yeah, not. <laughs> that night, their Uncle John stayed the night at their house because he was in town, like, visiting family. And Emma was gone out of town staying with some friends. So Uncle John was there. Emma was gone. She was, like, gone for the weekend or something like that. I don't know. Okay. Then we have August 4th, 1892. This is the day. Uh-oh. Yep. Early, early in the morning, Uncle John left to go visit some other family. He left before Andrew had even left for work. Okay. So it was it was pretty early in the morning. And Andrew left for work around 9. And it was about this time that Lizzie came down from her room for the morning. And Bridget was in the kitchen making some breakfast. And she told Bridget, Bridget the maid. Right. Who doesn't go by Bridget? Or doesn't get called Bridget? Doesn't get called Bridget, yeah. So she goes down to the kitchen and she's like, Maggie, I really don't feel good. <laughs> so she said that she's not gonna have breakfast okay and bridget told her that she was also not feeling very good and lizzie was like you know what maggie why don't you go lay down all right so bridget went to go lay down but abby the mother stepmother stopped her and was like hey i need you to wash all the windows outside and inside okay bridget went to go do that you know that's part of her job and while she did that, Abby fixed up the guest room because Uncle John had just left and he was staying in there. So she was just cleaning it up. Okay. So Bridget went to wash the windows. Before doing the outside windows, she noticed that Lizzie was in the living room ironing handkerchiefs. All right. While she was washing the outside windows, Bridget was so sick that she ended up throwing up in their yard. But she was still expected to finish the windows. Oh, yeah, of course. Can't have a day off. No, of course not. Um, and while she was out there, she also had a conversation with the maid from next door. About an hour later, Andrew got home for lunch, but he was really struggling to open the door. So they had three locks on their door. Okay. Usually when he left for work, he only locked one of them. That way it would be easier for him to come back in. But he got home and all three of the locks were locked, which was very strange. But he was like having trouble. He couldn't get his key. He was jammed or something like that. So Bridget, who had come inside at this point, went to help him with the door. And as she did, she noticed Lizzie wasn't in the living room anymore. And as they were both struggling with the door, she could hear Lizzie laughing from at the top of the stairs. Interesting. Yes. Oh, I just got the creeps. It'll get creepier. Okay. Once Andrew finally got in, Lizzie came downstairs and asked her where Abby was. She told him a messenger had come with a letter telling Abby that one of her friends was sick. So she went to go visit this sick friend. There's a lot of sick people going on here. Yeah. 
So Andrew, who was still feeling sick, was like, you know what? I'm going to lay down on the couch. I'm going to take a nap. And Bridget also went to lie down now that she was finishing the windows. Okay. So Andrew, sleep on the couch. Bridget went up to her room. And only a few minutes after she had laid down, she heard Lizzie screaming downstairs. Mm-hmm. She said, quote, come down quick. Father's dead. Somebody came in and killed him. Oh, yes. likely story. Mm-hmm. She's unharmed. Unharmed. So Bridget came downstairs and saw the absolutely horrifying sight. Oh. So Andrew was laying in the exact same spot on the couch in the exact same position, but his face was so mangled. Oh, God. His face had, like, caved in. Oh, and one of his eyeballs, uh, I don't know, was hanging out of oh, his socket. Oh God, that's so disgusting. They later discovered that he had taken ten to eleven blows in the face and head with a hatchet. Oh God, damn. Yeah, this one's rough. Oh. So once everybody started like flooding in, the Fall River Herald sent a reporter out there, mm-hmm. and I found this quote in an old newspaper. Quote. On the lounge in the cozy sitting room on the first floor of the building lay Andrew J. Borden dead. His face presented a sickening sight. Over the left temple, a wound six by four had been made, as if the head had been pounded with the dull edge of an axe. The left eye had been dug out and a cut extended the length of the nose. The face was hacked to pieces and the blood had covered the man's shirt and soaked into his clothing. Everything about the room was in order, and there were no signs of a scuffle of any kind. End quote. I'm pretty sure they would not print that in a newspaper today. That's pretty graphic. I mean, it's pretty graphic, but it was fascinating to read. God. This newspaper. Gross. Once Bridget had come downstairs, Lizzie said, go get the doctor that lives across the street and get him over here to help. But the doctor wasn't home. However, there were two other doctors that were very nearby, like within walking distance. Okay. One was an Irish immigrant and one was a French immigrant. Okay. But Lizzie did not want those doctors to see her father. Ugh. Lovely. Yeah. She was like, immigrants in my house? Absolutely not. As she was talking to her Irish immigrant maid. So she's a spoiled brat who's also prejudiced. Yes. Yeah, I don't really like her so far. Yeah, she'll get worse. Oh, great. Instead of going to get the doctors, she sent Bridget to run and get a different neighbor. So the neighbor came over, saw what was going on, and together Bridget and the neighbor searched the house and found Abby laying face down in the guest room. Mm. Abby had had 19 hatchet wounds to her head. Oh, God. She had one on the front of her head, which made her fall, and the rest of the blows were all to the back of the head. It was later found that Abby was killed at least an hour before Andrew. Ah. Yeah. So when the police came, Lizzie was very calm, very laid back. They said she never cried. She was just very chill. And at one point, the police said something about, like, her mother, like her mother, your mother is dead or something. I don't know. Something her mother. Uh-oh. And Lizzie, Lizzie said, she is not my mother. I'm surprised it was just that. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking psychopath. Correcting the police on that specifically 
when that woman had just been murdered is just a little suspicious. Mm, a little bit. Like I said, she was very laid back, very calm. She never cried, which you can't really judge how somebody grieves, but like, still. Yeah. She just she just gave off some some bad vibes. When people in the town found out about this, they were absolutely baffled. Well, yeah. This, <laughs> yeah. As as I this, am right now. <laughs> this crime happened on like one of the busiest streets during the busiest time of day. There were like people on horses riding by. Like the businesses that Andrew had were just right across the street. It was pretty busy, but nobody saw anything. Outside the house. Well, of course not, because she was inside. But we're getting there. (laughs) A search of the house was not conducted until 36 hours after the murder. Oh, seems legit. Which was really weird. But there was some people that said they thought the police weren't doing as good as they should have because this was like a wealthy family. Mm. Well, I would think they would do more. I would think so. But they were like, no, we don't want to irritate this family because they're the wealthy family in the city. Um, Well, they're dead now, so. But, okay. Yeah, well, I mean, there's still Lizzie and Lizzie and Emma. (sighs) Yeah. So during this search, they found a hatchet in the basement. The hatchet did not have any blood on it at all. Hmm. And the handle was newly broken. Okay. However, someone could have very easily wiped the blood off of that. Well, yeah, especially when you have 30 hours to do it. Yeah, and back then there was no technology to test if oh, there had been yeah. blood on it or, like, any traces of it or anything. So Lizzie and Emma were not questioned for three days. And when the authority talked to Lizzie, they got a lot of conflicting answers about where she was. Okay. So Lizzie said that she was still in the living room at the time of Abby's murder. But the police were like, well... The room that Abby was in was right above the living room. So we know she got hit in the face. She fell. But you didn't hear her fall if you were in the living room? Right. <laughs> she didn't hear anything. She must have had her AirPods in. Oh my God. She didn't hear it. Just ironing her handkerchiefs, listening to, like, Taylor <laughs> Swift. Right, right. <laughs> but Abby, Abby was, like, over 200 pounds. So she would have made some kind of noise. If she fell. Even if she was a hundred pounds, any body falling on the floor is going to make a noise. Right. It's going to make a noise, especially in like an old rickety house. I'm I'm sitting in the basement currently. I can hear Robin, who is our <laughs> dog, who's 25 pounds walking across the floor. So <laughs> anybody that's falling dead, I'm going to hear. Right. So Lizzie lying. would have definitely <laughs> heard something, but she said she yes. didn't hear anything. Either she heard it or she wasn't there. Right. She said she was in the living room at the time. Okay. And then later she told them she was actually out in the barn trying to find something to use as a weight for her fishing pole. Okay. Yeah. And then she later said that she was out in the yard picking pears during that time. So she doesn't know where she was, clearly. No, she does not. Even if she had just kept to, like, one of these stories, nobody saw her anywhere at the time of Abby's murder. So there was no one to like corroborate the alibi. True. So the police started to talk to other people about what they had seen at the time. Neighbors never saw Lizzie go outside on the lawn or go to the barn or anything. They talked to Bridget, who told them that she was in the living room when she went outside, but she was upstairs once she came in. Yeah. She told them 
also that she had left Lizzie and Andrew alone together when she went to go lie down. They also talked to Lizzie's best friend, Alice, from the beginning that she went to talk to. Okay. Alice told them about the weird shit that Lizzie was saying. Like, I feel like something bad's going to happen. Someone's going to do something. But she also told them that a day or so after the murder, she went over to the Borden house to talk to her friend, to console her, and just be there for her grieving friend. Yeah. Yeah. But Lizzie was her very, very normal self. She was very calm and collected. She didn't cry. She was just very chill. And then Alice said that Lizzie took a dress out of the cabinet, like a kitchen cabinet. Okay. And the wait, dress wait, was wait, covered... wait, wait. Took a dress out of the out of a kitchen cabinet? Yep. A dress. Okay. And she said, Alice said the dress was covered in something red. Ugh. And Lizzie was like, Oh, look at all this paint I got on my dress. What am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. So she threw it into the wood burning stove. Mm, yeah. And Alice was like, Hey Lizzie, that might not be the greatest idea, considering what's happened here. And Lizzie was like, oh, it's too late. Sorry, it's already in there. Yeah. So she burned the stress. Okay, cool. The police then had a very interesting conversation with the pharmacist in town. Oh. The pharmacist came forward and said that a few days before the murder, Lizzie had come in and asked if she could buy prussic acid. What's that? Prussic acid is hydrogen cyanide. That doesn't sound good. No, it's not. And there were also three other men in the pharmacy who confirmed that they heard mm. this. And the pharmacist was like, no, I'm not going to give that to you. Oh, well, good. She didn't have the prussic acid, but she could have gotten something from anywhere. Right. So five days after the murder, the funeral was held. It was kind of weird because it was an open casket funeral. <gasps> why? Why would they do that? I don't know why they would do that. Oh, nobody wants to see their loved one like that. No. Nobody wants to see that. That's ridiculous. Yeah. I don't know why they did that. Interesting little tidbit. Lizzie's attire that she wore to the funeral was craziness for this time. Okay. So at this time, ladies who were like close to the deceased were supposed to wear a mourning dress, which was high collared. It was black, very modest, probably had sleeves, and she would wear a veil. Okay. Lizzie showed up in a form-fitting black lace dress, mm. and she was not wearing a veil. Got it. It was not very modest for the times. I'm surprised she was even wearing black. Yeah. So back then, whenever your parents died, you were supposed to wear black and other, like, muted clothes for a year after the death. Mm. She was seen wearing plenty of bright clothing in that year. Yeah. And it was, like, so scandalous that the newspapers reported it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was... It was all over the place. Everyone was talking about it. So after the funeral, the bodies of Andrew and Abby were not laid to rest right away. Why? Instead, they were brought to a holding tomb to be autopsied one last time to get evidence for the trial. Oh, okay. But nobody told this to Emma or Lizzie, and they were kind of pissed off. And then during the autopsy, Abby and Andrew's heads were removed <gasps> and boiled down to the bone. Oh my god, Why? So that they could see the impressions in the skull and compare it to the hatchet. Oh, oh okay. I mean, that makes sense, but gross. Yeah, I know. It was kind of gross. August 11th, 1892, Lizzie was arrested. 
And Lizzie was arrested because her story was the only one that kept changing and she was the only one that didn't have a, a really good alibi. Okay. So, like I said, they interviewed Bridget, Emma, and Uncle John. They were they all had alibis. Uncle John was with family. Emma was out of town. And Bridget was seen talking with the neighbor maid. Right. So they knew it wasn't her. But when she was arrested, she was, again, like, super chill about it. She didn't try to fight. She didn't really have much to say. And then they asked if she wanted them to read the arrest warrant. And she said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> okay. I don't know. So Lizzie sat in the county jail while she was awaiting trial, which must have absolutely wrecked her being in this teeny tiny little jail when she just wanted to live in a big mansion. This little spoiled little rich girl. Yeah. It was like a dirty, nasty jail, too. Well, she fucking deserves it for killing her parents. I'm sorry. Her dad and his wife. Yes. The trial opened in November 1892, and when the trial started... Everyone in the town started talking. They all had conflicting opinions. Mm. A lot of people thought that she was guilty, but a lot of her church friends and, like, the people that she volunteered with, they did not think that she was guilty. Because, remember, she was, like, an avid member in the church. She was really active in, like, the social scene. And she was just known to be a very sweet, maybe unusual girl. Right. So... A bunch of people think she wasn't guilty. And some people even protested no. her arrest. Okay. And the reason that they protested was because they didn't think she would get a fair trial. Because at the time, only men were allowed to be on juries. Uh, yeah. So they thought that these men on the jury would be unfair to her. Okay. But they went with it anyways. Yeah. During the trial, the defense claimed that there was no real murder weapon. They had the hatchet, but there was no blood on it, and they also claimed that this murder was just too brutal for a woman to do. Mm. Okay. A woman could never do this. No, never. Never. And ladies were just too fragile to do something so horrible. I mean, she probably couldn't even pick up that axe. I mean, I doubt she could hold it. Just, she's so dainty. It's too heavy. Yeah. So a few people came to the stand to testify against Lizzie, including her best friend Alice, Bridget, and the pharmacist. Alice told the jury all the weird things that she said and about burning the dress. Bridget talked about how she didn't see Lizzie during any of the attacks. And the pharmacist told the jury about Lizzie wanting to buy hydrogen cyanide. A medical examiner also came to the stand and testified that Abby was killed between 9 and 10.30 in the morning. And nobody saw Lizzie during that time. Okay. They also then brought out the skulls of the victims. Ugh, okay. In the trial, and got the hatchet and compared oh, yeah. the wounds in the skull to the hatchet, and they matched perfectly, which basically proved that that was for sure the murder weapon. Right. So I have a little snippet here of the court transcript. Okay, cool. District Attorney, where were you when your father returned? Lizzie, I was in the kitchen reading an old magazine that had been left in the cupboard an old Harper's magazine. But Bridget said that she heard Lizzie laughing from upstairs when her father returned. Right. So they asked her again, and she was like, oh yeah, I was actually in my room. And then they asked her again later, and she was like, oh, remember I was, I was in the barn looking for something to use as a weight for our, our fishing pole. <sighs> but there was no footprints in the dust in the barn, and their fishing poles didn't even have line on them. Oh, 
That was for sure a lie. Hard to fish without a line. Exactly. And then they brought up something very interesting. During their search, they found a bucket of blood-soaked rags at the house. And when they asked her, she was like, oh, I was on my period. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) And this grossed out the men so much that they did not ask her anything else about it, and they just swept it under the rug. That's probably why she said it. Probably. I mean, She's probably like, these men aren't going to care. These men are going to want to avoid the topic absolutely, if they can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Back then, for sure. Like, that's yeah. a taboo. That's taboo. Like, oh, sorry. I was just menstruating. Yeah. That's oh. just my period blood. And they were like, <sighs> okay, next subject. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remember that line just in case I ever need it in the future. That's a good one. <laughs> the district attorney's closing arguments were five hours long. Wow. I know. It was pretty long. Yeah. He said, isn't it weird... That both times Bridget left Lizzie alone, one of her parents ended up dead. Isn't that weird? He also pointed out the bullshit story about the sick friend. Right. Because remember she told Andrew, Abby went to see her sick friend. Right. Well, they never found a note. She said a messenger had brought a note. They never found a note. Okay. And no messenger came forward. No sick friend came forward. Right. And we're like, oh, hey, that was actually right. Yeah. No one. He also pointed out that the house, like I said, was built very strangely. Yeah. And a stranger would not have known how to navigate that house without being noticed. Because it was like, you have to go through one bedroom to get to another bedroom to get to the guest room. Right. And nobody would have been able to walk through that house without being noticed by Lizzie or Bridget. Lizzie's lawyers had her dress super feminine throughout the whole trial. Lord have mercy. They had her walk in like holding a bouquet of flowers and like trying to look so innocent and like just please the male jury. All right. The jury went to deliberate and they took one hour Mm. only. Yep. That was quick. They took one hour to decide. They came back. They said, we don't think she's guilty. And she was acquitted. How? What? How? I don't know. I don't get. I don't know. But as soon as they, as <sighs> soon as they announced that, Lizzie fell to her knees and started crying. Okay. And I was like, yeah, she was probably like, oh my god, I just got away with this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm gonna walk free. I'm not gonna spend my days in jail. <sighs> I don't know how. There was so much evidence, but whatever. I guess her looking innocent must have worked. Yeah. And. Please don't talk about your period in front of us ever again. Yeah. They were probably like, yeah, we just need to get rid of this girl. I don't Uh want to see her anymore. (laughs) So next up, we're going to talk about the wills. Okay. People also noticed that the order in which Abby and Andrew were killed worked very suspiciously in Lizzie's favor. Oh. So according to Abby's will, if she was to die while Andrew was still alive, everything would go to Andrew. Right. All of the money, everything was transferred to Andrew when Abby was killed. Okay. But when Andrew was killed... But I mean, they were only like an hour or so apart, right? Right. But because of that but timeline... they have to they go went... with like the order okay. of... Yeah. Okay. And then when Andrew was killed, all of his money and all of Abby's money was transferred to both of the daughters. Mm. Convenient. 
But if Abby were still alive when Andrew was killed, all of his money would have gone to Abby instead of the girls. And then where would it have gone because did her will state? And then it would have probably gone to Abby's family. Okay. Makes sense. Just saying. A little suspicious. Yep. Yep. That they ended up getting all of this money. Yeah. Lizzie and Emma did give some of the inheritance to Abby's family, but it wasn't really much considering how much they inherited. Okay. They inherited $500,000 back then. Okay. Which today is $10 million. Holy shit. Yeah. Dang. So they received a lot of money. Yeah, they did. Once the girls did receive their money, they moved into a big fancy mansion on the rich side of town. Of course. And they called it Maplecroft. Okay. Which I think is very fancy. Uh, Yes. Emma started associating with more of the high society people, going to parties with them and hanging out with them. And Lizzie started to travel a lot more, and she actually bought the first motor vehicle in the neighborhood. Oh, okay. (laughs) Lizzie then started throwing parties with people who Emma did not consider high society. Oh. They were like kind of like low-life people. And Emma was like, I don't want these people partying and doing all these drugs at my house. Yeah. So the sisters, were, she, talk, she tried to talk to Lizzie about it, but Lizzie kept throwing these parties. So they had a huge fight, and Emma ended up moving out in 1905. Okay. And after she moved out, they never spoke to each other and never saw each other again. Really? Mm-hmm. Which makes me think that something more than just this party stuff was going on. Hmm. Maybe Emma found out some stuff. Maybe. Yeah, maybe she got suspicious. Mm-hmm. Huh. Or maybe Lizzie said stupid shit like she did with the dress in front of her sister. <laughs> probably. She probably ended up outing herself in front of her sister. Probably. So even though she was acquitted, everyone in town, well, a bunch of people in town, still thought that she was guilty. Yeah. They would stare at her when she was walking down the street and nobody would talk to her. Kids would ding-dong ditch at her house, and carriages would slow when they passed her house so everyone could get a look at it. (laughs) And then the kids made up a nursery rhyme. Oh, no. And they would stand outside Maplecroft and sing this nursery rhyme. Okay. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father 41. You cannot see my mouth right now, but I'm like, I'm in shock because I have heard that before. Really? When I, when I was young, don't recall, like never put two and two together. Like, cause yeah, this is where it comes from. Holy cow. And these kids used to stand outside her house and sing it. And I'm like, dude, if you really think that this girl killed her parents, I'm going to stay as far away from her as possible. You're going to stand in front of her house and sing about it. No! He's going to come out and get you. Exactly. No. That's terrifying. I'm going to ignore her. Yeah. I'm not even going to stare at her in the in town. I'm going to avoid her gaze at all costs. Yeah. I don't want her to know I exist. No. Not at all. <laughs> so four uh. years after she was acquitted, she had another warrant out for her arrest for shoplifting. Oh, I mean, that's not murder, so that's fine. But she has all this money. What is she what is she shoplifting for? She got away with murder. Why not? Oh, my God. She can get whatever she wants now. I don't know what ended up happening with that, but Kay. I was like, girl, you have 
all the money in the world to buy whatever you want. Right. Why are you shoplifting? That's just stupid. Yeah, that is stupid. So Lizzie died in 19... Oh, good. No, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Lizzie died in 1927 at the age 66 of pneumonia. Wow. You okay? She lived a while. Yeah. I thought you said, ow. No, I said, wow. Like, oh, she I was like, what did she do? Oh, okay. <laughs> so she, di- she died at 66 of pneumonia. And Emma, her sister, died only nine days later. Wow. I know. But they never spoke. No. Right? Nope. Oh, that's interesting. Which I don't know how she died, but, you know. So Bridget also ended up passing away. I don't know when and I don't know how. But on Bridget's deathbed, she told her sister that she lied on the stand to protect Lizzie. What? After the trial, Bridget never talked about the murder again. She never talked about the trial, never talked about the Bordens. She was super traumatized, and she just never wanted to talk about it. But on her deathbed, she told her sister that she lied on the stand to protect Lizzie. Which makes me think she definitely saw Lizzie with, like, blood on her or saw her hit one of them or something. Oh, But okay. just didn't okay. mention it. Because she basically just said that she didn't see Lizzie mm-hmm. anywhere because she was taking a nap or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know, man. If I were her, I would have told him everything. I mean, girl can learn my name. She could have lied out of fear. True. If she was, like, scared, like, the family or someone would retaliate. Yeah, or Lizzie. Yeah, or Lizzie. I mean, she got away with it, so. I know. Hmm, interesting. So, today, you can actually visit the Lizzie Borden house. I will not. I don't think I want to do that. But it is a bed and breakfast, and they do ghost tours. Okay. They restored the house to make it look exactly the same as it was in 1892. They found furniture that looks really similar. The original hardware is still there, the wallpaper, all of it. And they have pictures throughout the house of the crime scenes and of (sighs) the Bordens. If it's a bed and breakfast, do you have to walk through other people's rooms to get to your room? Yeah. Oh, no thanks. Yes. I'm not doing that. No, I don't want to do that either. But these pictures I saw of it now are just really creepy because, like, I saw pictures of the crime scenes yeah. And then the pictures of the house now look exactly the same. Yeah, that is kind of creepy. And it is just like, ooh, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> they also have replicas of the two skulls that they showed in the trial. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, so not the actual skulls, but replicas. Yeah, thank God. Thank God. But yeah. I was like, ooh, that's just so creepy. Do they have a hatchet? I don't know if they have like the original, but there's hatchets all over the house. Really? Yeah. They sell gifts and stuff like at a little gift shop, and I think they sell hatchets. Interesting. I've also seen that they sell a blood-spattered Lizzie Borden bobblehead with a hatchet. Oh, God. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. You know, in case you want to buy that. Right. But when people stay the night there or go through the tours, people have said that they can hear giggling in the attic. Oh, that would creep me out. Or they can feel like something touch them out of nowhere and like see stuff out of the corner of their eyes. And it's just, it's got to be so creepy in there. Yeah, I would think so. I feel like I would do 
a tour during the day, but I wouldn't want to stay the night. I agree. I think I would go see it. I and mean, I just like when I went to Lemp Mansion. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I, I've been there a couple of times, so I would go see it, but I'm not spending the night there. No, thank you. No, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's all I got. All right. Good job. That is the Lizzie Borden house. Okay. In all of its creepy glory. Yeah. That's that's awesome. <laughs> and now I know about it. Yeah, it was it was super it was super fascinating, but it was also just so creepy. Yeah. I didn't really know a whole lot about I mean, I didn't really know anything about it except that I knew that there was a creepy haunted house, that it was a Lizzie Borden house and murder happened there and that was really all I knew. And honestly, in my head because I didn't know anything about this, I was thinking that Lizzie Borden was murdered. Like that she was the one murdered and that way that's why it was the Lizzie Borden house. So clearly not the case. There's tons of people out there who have conspiracy theories that she didn't do it and someone broke into the house and did it. No, bullshit. And that's it was crap. like one of Andrew's like business rivals. Uh, no. But personally, I think she did it. Yeah, she absolutely did it. She did, she totally did. Yeah. It was just it was too many coincidences. Yeah. Has there ever been any further investigation that you know now that there's uh, like DNA and all of that stuff? I don't think so. Not that okay. I've seen. I feel like I would have seen something like that if I if yeah. that was a thing, but I haven't seen anything. I mean, who knows if the hatchet was ever even still in their archives right. when you know DNA came about? Yeah, so. I have no idea. Hmm. Well, cool. All right, there we go. Thanks. Follow us on TikTok and Instagram or email us at roadsidepod at gmail.com. Tell us what we should talk about next if you have a suggestion. I've got a list of places that I want to discuss, but it'd be nice to hear things that maybe we don't know that exist. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty out there. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> the world is a big place. Yeah. Lots of, lots of interesting places to visit. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for listening. Bye.